It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Getzman, coming to you on Monday, June 8th. Uh, a lot of LA Galaxy news to wrap our heads around. Obviously, we're going to talk about Alexander Katai and his departure from the LA Galaxy. We were on the right track on Thursday night, but we have uh, some of these details nailed down, so we're going to talk a whole bunch about that, uh, about why the LA Galaxy even went after Katai uh, in the first place. Then there's some rumors and a very big name that certainly has surfaced around the LA Galaxy. We're going to talk about that particular player. Um, there's a whole bunch of other stuff talking about the CBA deal and whether or not that did more damage than good. We'll talk a little bit also about the Orlando tournament. So like I said, a bunch of little things to sort of get to, a bunch of things to cover. We've got some great details in order to help me do it all. The Panda's back, Mr. Kevin Baxter. How's it going, Kev? Hey, do you remember coronavirus? That? <laughs> is, is that still going on? Is that? Is I that, don't know. Yeah, yeah, it it's is. Not on the news anymore. No, no, it is. That's that's one of those things that everybody's you know that, that think. Oh, everybody thinks it's a hoax now. Have you heard that one? It's a hoax because it just disappeared. Just like global warming. <laughs> oh, Kevin. Uh, let's get to a little bit to where I don't even want to continue on this train of thought. It'll go no, down the tube before yeah. we even start. Yeah. Um, let's talk about where the LA Galaxy would have been. We told you last week sort of where that was pointed to. Again, no games this past weekend if the Galaxy were actually playing, but we did talk about the San Jose Earthquakes and how the LA Galaxy should be hosting them on June 13th. And unlike all the other games on the LA Galaxy schedule leading up to this game, uh, June 13th currently shows a 7 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. It does not show postponed. I think we made this joke on a couple other uh uh, shows that we've done over the last couple of weeks, but it's still not postponed. So I guess we're all going to see everybody there, right? That's what we're doing? Well, yeah, I'm going there. I mean, it, I'm reading the schedule and it says not canceled, so I'm going to be there. And anyone who tries to get their tickets refunded, I guess, is going to have to be there too because the Galaxy, I guess their official word is, if that's the, what the calendar shows, the official word is, that game has not been canceled, so your tickets are still good. Yeah, I mean, that's that's sort of been the whole argument before, right? The Galaxy and MLS have said, hey, until we postpone games, until we cancel them, those tickets are good. Um, it doesn't matter that they've already basically agreed to go to Orlando, uh, that this schedule no longer means anything because it should be rewritten. And I would imagine, Kevin, that within the next 10 days, we should actually see a schedule that MLS puts out. I would have to imagine that they have to show the, the arrivals in Orlando, which we're going to talk about a little bit. Um, and it would have to show the, the actual games that are going to get played in Orlando and whether that gets drawn or anything. But, I mean, all of these things are approaching fairly rapidly. It's June 8th. We expected that, um, you know, everybody would possibly be you know, in Orlando around June 22nd, maybe the week after. So maybe, you know, June 28th in that area or 29th. Um, but we're, we're, we're running out of time here for that Orlando tournament. Well, you know, and, and it's so weird the way like today, three teams started full team training, essentially the training that we did before the season was stopped on March 12th, New England, Atlanta, and help me. What was the third team? It was Sporting uh, Kansas city. Sporting Kansas city. They all started full team training today. 
San Jose Earthquakes didn't get to do the the uh, the. I don't think they started doing the voluntary individual workouts until last week. So, you know, you look at the disparity between uh, how much work these teams are getting in. That's why some teams I think are going to go to Orlando a little bit early and try to get started. But um, yeah, I, Don Garber, the commissioner of MLS, promised last week in his conference call that details would would be emerging shortly. I expect this week you'll probably get the easy stuff. You're right; it's probably going to be the schedule, when teams will arrive, all that stuff. Um, I think it's going to take them a while to work out the testing, what happened, the protocol, what happens if someone is uh, test positive, you know, uh, are they isolated in the compound? Are they sent out of the compound? How does all that work? And I think the, uh, and I think MLS is taking a lot of their uh, cues from the Bundesliga, the way the Bundesliga did it, because they've been very successful so far. It would make sense to kind of look at the one guys that have done it and look at how they've done it and how it works and, you know, what lessons they learned along the way. Yeah, you have to follow that roadmap. That'll, that's the only thing that really makes sense when you look at it is follow the roadmap that Bundesliga has sort of played out for you. And then, you know, you can you already have sort of this this direction that you can head in. You can see what has worked and maybe some stuff that hasn't worked. Um, you can twist and change that as it goes. But again, uh, running out of time. So I imagine that we're going to start hearing details about that. All right, uh, Kevin, let's switch gears now. Uh, Alexander Katai, uh, I'm not going to say released, uh, but certainly had re- reached a financial deal with the LA Galaxy. Uh, they both agree to uh, to split ways. Um, they, as as somebody told me, they Katai's with each other. Yeah, they did. They, <laughs> that's good. I will say released because he's released. He's done it under contract, so therefore he's been released. But a lot of interesting, I mean, however you look at it, whatever semantics you want to use, a lot of interesting things. I talked to the league, uh, to the players union today, because if there was anything that Katai felt like, hey, they didn't treat me right, I didn't get my money, uh, they tried to release me without cause. Remember, it, for all the things you want to say about Katai, it was his wife who put, who made the social media post. It wasn't Katai. He was in L.A. She was in Chicago. I think that gives him an awful lot of wiggle room if he wanted to press his case. So I went to the union and said, hey, are you defending this guy? Are you helping him out? Are you trying to get him his money? And they said, no, uh, the union is not getting involved at all. It said that it was a mutual by mutual agreement that the two parties, the Galaxy and Katai, split. So as far as we're concerned, the player was taken care of. What that means to me is he was due 600 at least because he was signed with uh, target allocation money. His contract was at least $612,500. I'm told by the Galaxy it was substantially more than that. So I'm guessing, I mean, I don't know, I don't think you know, but I'm guessing that if they didn't pay him all of that, they paid him a good a good portion of that sort of to go away. Um, yeah. yeah why and, else would he not make us think about it? Yeah. And I think we should point out as well that that is for one season. If he was on a multiple season deal. So if he had a two year deal, Kevin, um, you know, let's say that let's take a take a sort of easy um, sort of approach to this, which is, hey, um, let's pretend he made $750,000, right? Which, by the way, you were told is significantly more. And if significantly more to me means closer to a million dollars at the very sort of least in that. So let's just pretend that it was $750,000 because it makes the math easy. If it was a two-year deal, the Galaxy just wrote a check for $1.5 million. Um, now, we don't know uh, if the Galaxy paid out the full contract or if they came to some sort of financial arrangement, as sort of has been uh, reported. I reported I think you did as well. Um, so there could be some cost savings in there for the LA Galaxy. Maybe they didn't pay him a full $1.5 million. Or maybe if it's only one-year deal, they didn't pay him the full $750,000. Maybe they only paid him $700,000. Um, but whatever that is, um, you know, just from this feeling and the way that Katai went away rather quickly, 
And from all reports that I've sort of seen, Kevin, it seemed like it was a fairly amicable, you know, sort of split. Um, it didn't seem to be a whole bunch of arguments, but that the Galaxy paid Katai's money, and he went in his other direction, you know, happily with the check in his pocket. Well, here's what Chris Klein told me. He said it was very professional, that he would not characterize the meeting as tense at all. It was Chris Klein, Alexander Katai, Dennis DeClosa, uh, and Jovan Karowski in the room, and he said that there it was not adversarial, um, that Katai felt great remorse over what happened, um, and apparently didn't, uh, at least at the end, was not going to fight his release or, or the separation, whatever you want to call it. Um, so it, it seemed to have worked pretty well. He must have felt like he was really you know, in a bad position and couldn't defend himself. I, I will say Chris Klein told me he was aware of how the supporters felt. Um, they came out to the stadium. How he, could he not be aware? Um, but he he took pains to tell me, look, this is our decision. We knew what the supporters wanted. We knew what they uh, how they felt. But he was adamant on saying we made the decision ourselves because what he told me is he said, I don't want to get in a position where every decision we make um, you know, the fans make it because then if it goes wrong, then we're stuck with blaming the fans and they don't want to get in that situation. So they said, this is on us. We made the decision. We know how the fans felt, but in the final analysis, we made the decision we thought was right for the soccer team. And he said, it was not a soccer decision. Um, and, and another thing I want to look at, I want to kind of flip uh, sides on this. It was announced today that AEG, of course, the parent company of the galaxy, um, it's a, you know, entertainment company, all of its entertainment venues are now, you know, you know uh, shuttered, no concerts, anything going on. They laid off a whole bunch of people, furloughed more, and people took uh, 20, at least 20% pay cuts across the board. A good portion of the Galaxy staff, um, you know, that works in the ticket uh, department and other places, they were laid off today. So financial pressures on the team, and yet the Galaxy still was able to go ahead and write this guy a check, uh, at least, you know, six figures, multiple six figures. Uh, because they felt it was the right thing to do for the soccer team. I, I feel sorry for the other people at AEG, but if you look at just the soccer team, the Galaxy bit real hard to, to do this to, at a time when they, when you know, they're having huge financial problems at the parent company. They decide that it's the best interest of the company and the team to pay this guy to go away. And it's the second year in a row it's happened. Remember the same thing happened with Giovanni Dos Santos last year. Um, they were on the hook for six million with him, and said it's in the best interest of our team to give this guy $6 million to go away. Now, they didn't have to give him all that. He wound up signing with Club America. But my point was they didn't know that at the time. So two years in a row, the Galaxy management has been uh, – Dennis DeClose has talked them into parting with a lot of money to get a guy to go away, not to bring a guy in. I think that's a pretty good sign that they're really committed to getting this thing straightened out. Well, well not only that, but um, I can I can sort of take you in that when they made this decision, and, and you pointed out it's a business decision, um, and you can say, uh, you know, a lot of things. I think it was interesting. You were talking about the fans, and you listen, fans can never make the decisions for you. It's why you can, you know, get rid of AJ De La Garza and, you know, and have a, a quote unquote reason for that. You can be wrong, but, you know, if you listen to the fans, AJ De La Garza is never going anywhere. If you listen to the fans, the LA Galaxy, you know, would have never gotten rid of Mike McGee and brought in Robbie Rogers. Um, so there's all these little things that you can go back and say, yeah, I mean, the fans' voices need to be heard in a certain light, but they cannot be the decision makers, and that's why you pay people big money uh, to make these decisions. Here's the here's the the rub of this, though, and I think this leads more to a tip of the hat to the LA Galaxy um, and making this decision that was right for the club. I don't know if it was right for everybody else. I don't know if it was, you know, you know, there's lots of people who have different opinions on all this, uh, but it was the right decision for the LA Galaxy. But when they made this, Kevin, uh, 
at least to one person I talked to, they didn't know whether or not the other galaxy were even going to get cap relief for this buyout. Now, usually the buyouts happen, and obviously we know about you know Giovanni Dos Santos. That happened before the season, and usually MLS rules dictate that if you're going to do a buyout, it has to happen before the season. It seems like the LA Galaxy made this deal with Katai and didn't know whether or not they were going to get that their money back. So, Kevin, they could have lost that money. I'm here to tell you that they didn't lose all of the all money. Of it. Yeah, I yeah. was going to say, how much of it they actually kept, I don't know, because... Like most things, MLS and the LA Galaxy don't want to talk about roster rules and they want to, you know, make everything obscure and you, you don't want to be exact about anything, um, which, by the way, is has always been one of our biggest sort of hurdles to try to get to. And one of the biggest things that, you know, fans deserve to understand how these deals were made and what happens with that money and how it affects the club uh, going forward. But it seems like the LA Galaxy made this decision without knowing fully whether or not they would get that money. Now, uh, again, I can confirm the LA Galaxy will get some form of cap relief. Um, did they get all their money back? It doesn't sound like it's all their money back. It sounds like a portion of it for sure. Um, in fact, I was told basically uh, the LA Galaxy had money and roster spots before Alexander Katai, and they have more money and more roster fo- spots after Alexander now, Katai. You should clarify that they're not getting money in the ca- in the in the form of cash. What they're getting is relief against the salary. Yeah. 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 So basically, but you, yeah. you know, all money is accounted for in MLS, right? And so if you get the, you could have paid off Alexander Katai and it could have been, you know, $1.5 million or something like that, right? And you could have not had that money back whenever you were going to sign another player in 2020. Um, so you could have actually just lost that money. It could have gone away. Now you did pay it to him, but in the, in the salary cap ideas, that's how this, this sort of works. Well, um, and they also, you reported, they also got not only a roster spot, but a, international roster spot as well yeah they get that as well so um the la galaxy for the most part will probably be made pretty whole and listen i I know there are already some people who are like oh mls making up rules for the la galaxy again uh this doesn't seem like that uh there's probably provisions within the mls rules that talk about the buyouts and they have to happen within a certain amount of time and and because of the postponement of the league and sort of pausing everything it seems like it fit in with that with that time now the the bigger question is so if they do have this money and they do which uh, they we do know they have more money um and we know they do have the roster slot um and the international slot as well is when can they actually use that and it seems like there will have to be a transfer window that opens at some point but right now with the way that fifa is trying to dictate all these things with contracts ending june 30th um for most of the world by the way um, it's going to be very interesting to see when a transfer window actually opens up. And so, you know, you're talking about the Orlando tournament, you're talking about games possibly after that. It could be an extended period of time before a transfer window actually opens this summer. Uh, and when it does, what kind of transfer window is that even well, going to be? I don't be? see how they can keep to that contracts ending. I don't see how they can keep continue with those uh, thinking those those contracts are going to end June 30th. I mean, it, all the major European leagues, with the exception of France and the Netherlands, will still be playing. MLS will still be playing. Um, I think uh, the Premier League is going into August. So how can you continue to play a season when your guys' contracts ran out six weeks earlier? It's, no, I mean, you're talking about nightmare scenarios. It, it always has been, Kevin. I mean, whenever you look at this, you're absolutely right. How do you do any of that? But at the same time, how do you amend a contract? like that contracts are pretty ironclad i mean it's pretty difficult for fifa just to say hey we're just going to add months onto a contract says who fifa doesn't actually have the ability probably to just extend people's contracts contracts are are you know written lawful things um so it's a nightmare i mean just think about this what if a guy 
what if a guy in 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 La Liga who they're, they're coming back this next weekend? What if he's playing in July when technically his contract, quote unquote, ran out, and he gets hurt? Um, if that you know, if they hold to the letter of the law, the guy was playing for free, and now he he can't go sign a new contract because he's hurt and he has no protection from the contract he had. I mean, there's a whole huge uh, can of worms that are going to be opened up with this thing if they don't get this straightened out. Well, and you know the LA Galaxy have a can of those worms as well. Think about one contract in particular. MLS was certainly talking about um, extending past 2020 and into 2021. We've heard that uh, you know a couple times. Imagine the difficulty that will be like somebody like Christian Pavone who you know Dennis DeCloso has told us basically will be here till December till the end of December December 31st actually um, whenever most MLS contracts actually come up and are terminated is and that December 30 December 30th December 31st um, January 1st range of things so you look at his contract it's like okay well what if they're still playing what if the LA Galaxy are going to an MLS Cup in January and Christian Pavone, his contract is up at December 31st. Does he travel in January? Does he go? You know, this is, these are all the ridiculous amount of things that you have to go through whenever you start bumping these different windows for players. Um, you know, because soccer, football is this worldwide entity, Kevin, making any adjustments in any league affects every single other league. This isn't the NBA where you can just slide everybody's sort of contracts around and be like, listen, we're just going to slide them over and everybody's sort of happy because, you know, that's really where the whole world centered around that NBA contract. Um, but that's not the case well, right now with, with soccer contracts. Well, here's another example. I mean, let's just say that MLS does play the MLS Cup in January and the Galaxy, one of the two teams left, and that transfer window opens and Arsenal says, we want Christian Pavone, his contract's out, here's all this money. I mean, do you go to Pavone and say, look, we'll extend your contract two weeks, stay with us, play an MLS Cup? He probably says, no, I'm going to Arsenal, I'm out of here, see ya. I mean, does he delay his European career? You might say, oh, well, he, you know, a little bit of loyalty to the Galaxy, maybe he does stay. Okay, that's a good decision. What if he breaks his leg in the game and now he can't play anymore? Uh, you know, he just lost his chance to go play in, or at least sign a contract in Europe. So a lot of things to think about. And another thing, it, we just talked about the financial problems at AEG. Does that mean that Dennis now can't go into any of these transfer windows and spend? Does that mean that Pavone is not going to, they're not even going to try to offer him a contract? They probably wouldn't have anyways if he played well. He probably would have been too expensive. But is that out the window now? Is the Alan Franco deal off? All those things that have been talked about. Is this the Galaxy team we're going to see? Uh, going forward, are they going to have to rely on Galaxy Two in the academy until until you know COVID's gone and we're back up to speed with concerts and other things that AEG promotes? Um, you know, are are is, are the Galaxy somehow protected? Is there some sort of cutout where they don't you know they just laid off a lot of their office staff today? It would seem like they're not protected. No, I mean, you know, there's they're they're taking and we talked about this whenever this first started. You look at concerts, you look at all the venues, you look at all the things that are lying dormant right now for AEG, and it, it's a huge question mark. Um, we actually got tagged in a in a tweet and was asking us to talk about it. It was already on our our, our radar to talk about as well because this is something that continues to sort of um, have ripple effects, and we don't know. I mean. For the most part, it seems like the soccer side of things in terms of the on-field product has some wiggle room in there. And whenever you look at the actual amount of money that is outlaid for the LA Galaxy, um, you know, in AEG terms, it's not exactly the most expensive thing that AEG has out there. But it is money. Um, and they did cut salaries and they did do things um, in order to sort of adjust and stop the bleeding uh, with no money coming in. Because you look at it. I mean, it's the same as concert venues right now. 
The LA Galaxy have zero money coming in. They're not taking season ticket money right now. Uh, they're not getting gate tickets from people showing up for games. They're not getting TV revenue because games aren't being played. Uh, it's just a constant write a check every week. At the end, On Friday, the money just goes out and there's nothing that comes in. Uh, as an owner of a small business, I can tell you right now, that's not a good way to continue for very long periods of time. Um, so it's, uh, it's definitely something that you have to take in and sort of look. And that's why... When you talk about Katai and the LA Galaxy claiming it's a business decision, you have to understand that in many ways, as much as they want to be the rulers and sort of uh, on the on the correct side of the racial and social injustice, um, they want to be on the correct side of the business decision as well, which is that having Alexander Katai and being linked to his wife in those tweets at this time right now is a bad business decision. They have sponsors. Um, and so the people who could possibly be giving them money aren't get you know, would have a reason not to give them money. And you can bet that if, if anybody has a reason not to give other people money right now, um, they're going to sort of uh, try to hit that and they're going to try to make that a thing. So you have to rid yourself of all excuses. So the business decision side of this is so many fold. I mean, there's like six different reasons that you can argue it. And certainly the fan base being turned off, uh, the fan base not respecting the decision of the LA Galaxy should uh, Alexander Katai stay. Um, all those things are certainly part of the business decision as well. But, you know, the, the sponsorship side of this, the money side of this really was important for them. So, you know, you, you lose a, a million dollars, a couple million dollars at most um, to sort of make a whole bunch more money on the backside without having those those issues. That's that's that, that had to be the decision. Don't forget, AEG also owns the LA Kings have two of the most expensive players in MLS and Anze Kopitar and Drew Doughty. So that would be uh, a lot of money going to that side too. Yeah. The NHL, say, what did I say? MLS. It's fine. I, MLS. We, yes. Yes. There, you know, I, Kopitar is a really good soccer player and Doughty was a, uh, a, a youth national team candidate as a goalkeeper in Canada. So maybe I did mean MLS. You, you don't know. You probably did. They probably, they're going to transfer over because MLS is coming back faster than NHL. So maybe they're what, just going to play. You know a little what bit. they're going to do? This is a cost-saving thing. Those guys are going to come over and play for the Galaxy because the Kings are done. They're not going to be in that little NHL tournament. Those guys are coming over to pay for the Galaxy. That's how they're going to make this work. It, make, just, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. So, uh, yeah. yeah, let's see how it goes. But, I mean, you know, there's another question here as well, and one of the supporters groups brought it up. Um, and I think it's it's a it should be a well-taken criticism. Uh, and basically, the supporter groups called for better screening of players, understanding the backgrounds of players and understanding what they've done, who they are as a person, and bringing that to and what they bring to the LA Galaxy. And, you know, there's there's people in uh, that have been and worn LA Galaxy uniforms, and we talked about them a little bit on Thursday, that have not been nice people and that have a history of, of racism or history of some bigotry. Uh, you know, we talked about Colin Clark. Um, who called a ball boy the F word um, on on national on I think it was national TV it was definitely caught up on some TV but it was it was and that was big and the LA Galaxy got him after that event um, at the same time they had Robbie Rogers on the team and that was a big question mark about whether they did it uh, yellow Van Dam has a racist history um, you had Zlatan Ibrahimovic who's been accused of racism as well so there's a bunch of things that you can sit there and say have the LA Galaxy gone through and scouted well enough um, I'll say that just some of the personalities that have been in the locker room, you could say the answer to that is no, um, because y you really didn't know what you were going to get, or you had people who were who were breaking up that 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 locker room. Um, so it's a really interesting thing to sort of look at that. But but Kevin, I mean, you know, should the Galaxy have even gone after Alexander Katai in the first place? 
Well, here's an, uh, a couple of things about Al Alexander Katai. First of all, his production fell off greatly from his first year in MLS to a second. Yeah, he had a couple more assists, but his goals were halves. It, it went from 12 to 6. Number of starts, number of appearances, minutes played, all down. I think he played 90 minutes maybe once in the last two to three months last season. He didn't play 90 minutes. He led, He leads the, the team in shots on goal this year in two games. He has eight shots excuse me, shots. He has eight shots, but no shots on goal. Mm -hmm. Didn't go past 59 minutes in either game. Uh, you you know, how can you start a season being unfit when he had the whole winter to get fit? So there were a lot of questions about him as a player coming in, especially a player they were going to pay that much to. One thing I've learned in covering a lot of different sports, not just soccer, is when you are negotiating for a player that has been let go for another team or wants to leave another team, look at what that team offered him. In the case of the Chicago Fire, they did not make a contract offer at at all. It wasn't like they made him one and he refused it. They didn't make him a contract offer at all. They knew him for two years. They had him in the locker room and on the field every day for two years. And they didn't think he was being worth it. It was good enough to bring back. And the Galaxy come and make a, a TAM money offer to him. Did the Galaxy think that they could solve whatever that was there? Did they think that Katai fit in better? Were they willing to take a risk? Did they think he wasn't over the hill? I don't know. I don't know the answer to any of those questions. But when one team says, please leave, go for free, we don't want you back anymore. To go in and, and swoop that guy up and pay him a lot of money, that you know, I, I'm not sure if that was the smartest thing they could have done. I don't know Katai. I've been around him, of course. I think we talked once. I don't really know him that well, but you know, there were whispers in Chicago. I don't know that he was a great locker room guy. I don't know that he was a, a you know a bad. I don't know he was a guy that tore up the locker room, but I don't know that he was the friendly kind of locker room presence that say. Uh, a Clitchton was or is now, and some of the other guy, you know, uh, Jonah Dos Santos, who are you know bringing players together out of uh, you know from what happened last year with Slatan. So I don't know if they thought he was going to contribute to that. With him leaving now, I think you move Sebastian Lejet up, and he plays on that right wing a little bit, and and is in charge of the service to Chicharito. You do have a deep midfield. If something happens to Sebastian Lejet, though, all of a sudden there's not a lot of depth there. But you know, people have talked about when they brought him in, when they brought uh, Katai in, Ramon Alessandrini was still here. Mm -hmm. um, they had not made him a contract offer. Yes, he made more than Katai did, but he, he, I think to stay in LA, I think Alessandrini coming off an injury knew that he was damaged goods. I think he would have taken much less. I think he could have stayed here. They didn't make an offer to Alessandrini. They went out and got Katai and I think they got burned. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and and certainly I've been seeing. Uh, I think Ramon Alessandrini was also paying attention whenever they released Alexander Katai, because almost immediately on his Instagram stories, he posted I think three continuous, three consecutive photos that all showed him with the LA Galaxy, talking about how much he missed it and blah blah blah, the whole deal. So if if Ramon se certainly seems to be trying to sell himself on a return and a reuniting uh, with the LA Galaxy, and you know, from what we're what it looks like is he signed a contract in China, um, you know, right around i think the 1.3 or 1.4 million dollars uh for that contract at least reported on transfer market that's what it is um but there's still you know i know a lot of people want to want to have this reunion happen where ramon comes back and um you know I, I can i can sit here and say you know when ramon was on the field and when he was healthy kevin he was a great player um, a lot of fun to watch and, you know, a, a dangerous uh, piece on that right-hand side. But, you know, in, in one of his better years that he had in 2018, he played and was available for just less than 63% of the total available minutes 
of the season. So he played 63%. Um, now, if you want to compare that to uh, that 2018 year, uh, Jonathan Dos Santos played 62.4%. Uh, Ramon Alessandrini played 62.7%. And Giovanni Dos Santos played 26.9% of that 2018 season. But going into 2019, and obviously the early injury, uh, just five games played, five games started for Ramon Alessandrini, 281 total minutes. He was available for 9.2% of the LA Galaxy's total number of minutes. So, you know, when they go out and try to find a replacement for Katai, you need a reliable starter that's going to be on that right-hand side. I think there are some serious question marks about Ramon Alessandrini and his ability to be that game-in, game-out starter that you need at that right back, or the, the right midfield position. He, he's obviously an offensive weapon. He loves LA. He bleeds for the club, and that's why the fans love him so much. But that 9.2%, less than 10%, uh, and then less than you know 63% in the in the season before that shows you know a, a declining return in my my opinion. Yeah, but I think he's going to make the argument that yeah, I might not be able to play every day, but my wife's not a racist. <laughs> <laughs> might be enough to get it done. I Dennis don't did say at the end, Dennis, Dennis, by the way, Dennis likes Roman. He did say he thinks Roman's a fantastic player, but he's yes. just not healthy. And with the money that Roman, Roman wanted or deserves, given his pedigree, I haven't played for Marseille and been a candidate for the French national team that just won a World Cup. You know, his pedigree kind of demands a certain salary. You, the, the thing is that, you know, so much of this stuff in sports is you get, and Jurgen Klinsmann used to whine about this all the time, you get paid for what you did, not for what you're going to do. Uh, you get paid for your past, not for your future. And with Roman, he deserves money because of his past. Um, and you, you can't just offer a guy like that, you know, 200 or 300,000. Roman might take it, but it's an insult to a guy with that kind of past. So they have to come up with some money. Is the money worth um, you know, a guy that is going to be a spot player, probably not. And the, and the other thing is when you look at those numbers from 2018 stuff, you see a lot of starts for Ramon. He didn't come off the bench very much. He didn't like playing as a sub for Ziggy. And that was where those two had a huge falling out. He didn't like his role under Ziggy. He didn't want to play defense. He didn't want to be a, a guy off the bench. And so if you were to come in and say, look, you're, you're our insurance policy against Sebastian Lejet getting hurt. And you'll play a few games off the bench, but you're not one of the, the top guys on the team right now. You know, maybe Ramon doesn't want to do that. Yeah, it's a, it's it's all valid, and and again, I think people, and I want to caution fans against this. I think everybody expects that there's going to be some magic replacement that is going to be like twenty times better than what Katai ever was. And on the TAM on the TAM structure, and the technically it's the discretionary TAM structure. Um, on that side of things, it just it feels like you know right now and what the transfer market is. You know, Dennis was on this on our show, Kevin. And I'm sure everybody remembers. He talked about transfers and the amount of money and and possibly being discounted by up to seventy five percent. I don't know if that holds true, but certainly you're gonna have to see what this transfer window actually means because here's the problem: is everybody was doing pretty good of guessing and sort of understanding what people's worth was in the market whenever before all this happened. And the bottom line is that nobody right now knows how much any player is worth in this market, in a depressed financial market um, that's going to be worldwide in football. You have no idea. So, I mean, you know, people ask all the time, do you think the LA Galaxy will try to sign Christian Pavone? And it's like, not at $20 million and not at $12 million. The bottom line is that contract was written before global pandemic and before the financial crisis that's going to be as a result of, um, you know, COVID-19. So there's no way that's, that Christian Pavone is suddenly worth, tw is still worth $20 million. He might be worth $6 million or $8 million. And maybe that makes a lot more sense. So, 
Listen, I felt, and I think you, Kevin, you and I, Kevin, are on the same page with this. We felt that Dennis was dismissive of the idea that Christian Pavon would stay past the end of this year, right? Past this December 31st contract that basically is in place with Boca. Um, and certainly if you've been watching the Boca press, it sounds like, you know, Christian Pavone is leaving tomorrow and is going to be back in Boca in no time. Um, having said all that, it looks very likely that um, the LA Galaxy will not, you know, uh, try to go after his contract, after Pavone's contract, but could renegotiate a new deal at a much reduced price because of oh, what this transfer market is. Oh, oh, contraire. Oh, yes. Perhaps. Perhaps. See, I, I, I used French. I used French because I'm segueing into, I did have a... Not to be a name dropper, but that's what I do. I did have a phone conversation with Anton Griezmann the other day. It was set up by people at Barcelona to talk about some other stuff. But I asked him about La Liga coming back, and you know, this was the longest break he's had in his career. And was it going to hurt him coming back to the field? And and that question, he said, no. You know, I had a great time relaxing. This longest break I've ever had. I'm really, you know, I'm enthused to get back. But he said, this will not hurt the players who come back, but it will hurt the transfer. For window, and he talked about how teams are not going to have even the big free spending European teams. A lot of them may not have the money that you think a Greece, you know, a guy like uh, Pavone might be worth twenty million to an Arsenal or Chelsea. They might not want to spend twenty million on anybody. They may not have the money. And if you're talking about him going back to Boca, remember the Argentine league. They they folded. They're not coming back. There's no more revenue. They stopped before MLS did, or they stopped about the same time, and then and then called it a day. So they're not getting any money. MLS may get some going forward with TV. So Griezmann's point was, coming out of this, don't expect football to return to where it was before. The salaries are going to be uh, adjusted dramatically downward, and the transfer window is going to be much less active. And so, I, I say that only to say, if a guy like Pavone enjoys LA. Uh, and is having a good time and likes the, the lifestyle and all those things that he gets here, you know, the Galaxy may not have to pay $20 million to keep him because the offers he's getting from Europe and even back in Argentina may be not within the Galaxy's reach, but it, does he do, does he want to go to a place he doesn't want to be for an extra, you know, million and a half to two million? Maybe the Galaxy can come close enough where they can keep him. I personally don't think that's going to happen, but I just don't see – um, you know, I don't see a lot of MLS players jumping to Europe immediately because I think the prices are going to be way down for the next year or so. Yeah, it seems, and that means that clubs won't want to get rid of them, right? Because ultimately, the the deal you have to strike for for Christian Bovon, yes, it's with the player, but mostly it's with it's with Boca and how much you want to pay Boca uh, to do that. Why don't you Why don't you just? I know you're talking to to Antoine Griezmann. Why don't you just tell him what happened at the end of that conversation? You mean the MLS part? Yeah, the MLS part. Yeah, I was talking to him about what you know is going to happen next in your career and where you're going to go and how long you, I you know the point was you're an, you're a, a World Cup champion now if you win the Liga this year you get a a World Cup you got a, a Spanish title how long do you keep playing and he said well you know after this are the European Championships I want to play in that then there's another World Cup I'm definitely going to stick around for Qatar and then I was kind of like tuning out a little bit and, and he was going on with some other things he wants to do and then he goes oh and then of course I'm going to finish my career in MLS. Now, he has said that before, but yes. I think the first time he said that, everyone kind of thought that was a little bit of a joke. He said it when he was 26, preparing to be uh, the leader of a French team that would go on to win a World Cup um, very much in the prime of his career. No one really took it seriously, but he repeated it again. And my first thought, uh, my first question to him was, with the Galaxy? You coming to the Galaxy? And he laughed and he said, I really don't care which team. I don't know which team at this point, but he goes, I really want to come finish my career in MLS. I like the States. 
I like the league. I think the league's doing great things. Um, he and you know he didn't say this, but he loves the NBA and he likes the NFL too, and he really wants to come here to play. I think the the favorite uh, coming out of the clubhouse now is uh, at Miami. I think he might want to go there, but he also had a real tight relationship with Carlos Vela, so LAFC might be in the market, and of course the Galaxy. You know, they can make uh, a lot of people pay attention just with the money and the prestige and 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 the history and all the things that they offer, too. So Anton Griezmann's coming. He has a five-year contract now. It's the first season of a five-season contract with Barcelona. So he's not coming this week, but uh, he may be coming in the future. Yeah, I know. He's been he's been hinting at that. I thought that was an interesting little take uh, that he sort of twisted that as well, uh, you know, saying, oh, yeah, I'm coming to MLS. Sounds like uh, Nigel de Jong as well, by the way. Uh, Nigel Young uh, was a big NBA fan whenever he came to uh, to Major NFL League Soccer. too. He loved the NFL. That's right. Maybe it was the NFL. Maybe I got that one wrong. Um, yeah, he, he he said he hated playing in Italy because he couldn't stay up late enough to watch the NFL games live. Was it? Wasn't he like a Pittsburgh Steelers fan or something? Yeah, like that? he was a big yeah. Steelers fan. Yep, I remember. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm glad. You know who else likes the NFL a lot is Sergio Aguero of Man City. Really, it's always so. I don't know why it's weird, but it's always weird to hear these these big professional footballers just love you know the NFL or the NBA or you know any of the major or you know I haven't heard anybody say that they love baseball and that's why they're it just doesn't seem no. to translate. No. no, in fact, in fact, who was it? Oh, it was Marcelo Sarvis. Um, told me he went out to see a Dodger game. It was right before, if you remember, they played the first ICC and they had a game at Dodger Stadium. And I think, who did the Galaxy play? Real Madrid, they played some big European team. And they played at Dodger Stadium. So Marcelo, Marcelo Sarvis went out and to sort of do some promotion for that and watch the game. And he said it was the worst thing he'd ever seen. He was bored. He couldn't stay past the fifth inning. He didn't understand anything that was going on. All he knew is he was putting him to sleep. It's like me watching cricket. Mm, I, I think that's, that, that's, a, that's an even trade there. All right. Um, well, let's keep going with the rumors then. Why don't we talk about another guy who's been linked to the LA Galaxy in recent times, uh, Mario Balotelli. You may have remembered whenever Mario Balotelli came uh, to uh, Dignity Health Sports Park or StubHub Center or was it Home Depot Center whenever uh, Man-, Man City came to play the LA Galaxy. And old Mario had his little pirouette back heel that he tried to do, and then uh, Roberto Mancini uh, pulled him out immediately. Um, immediately. And yeah. That was 2011. Yeah. And... Balotelli is, is actually one of my all-time favorite players because he's so wacky. He's like soccer's version of Manny Ramirez. <laughs> that same season, that was preseason 2011, that same season, uh, he and some friends were in his mansion in, in Manchester, and they were trying to light fireworks in a bathroom to set a couple of towels on fire and nearly burn the house down. Two fire crews had to come out uh, and respond to the fire and then the police had to show up. And the reason the police showed up is one of the things they were assigned to do was to keep Mario from running back into the house because the firefighters complained he kept running back in the house to take stuff out. At one point, he came out with two suitcases full of money. So that's one thing. And uh, another thing he did, him and his, his brother one time drove um, uh, Mario's uh, sports car. I think it was a Ferrari. No, it was a Mercedes. They drove it into a woman's prison in Italy. And they said they did that just because they wanted to have a look around um, another thing Balotelli cannot do is he cannot put on bibs during practice because he struggles to find out which holes are for the arms and which ones are for the head. Um, let's see, what else did he do? Oh, he one time, uh, as part of an anti-racist campaign, this fits in with uh, Kataya, I suppose, he sent out a meme of the na- of his namesake, Super Mario, from Super Mario Brothers. And uh, across the, the meme, it said, don't be racist. But down in the corner, there was an anti-Semitic slogan. And so he wound up being banned for one game by uh, the FA. While at City, he was once fined 300 um, pounds for throwing darts at youth team players. 
Um, and my all-time favorite Mario Balotelli story, this was told to me by a journalist in England, is he had a Lamborghini. He bought a Lamborghini. It was a special model Lamborghini, one of only like a handful in the world. If you saw it, you would not forget it. And then he had it painted camouflage. He bought a camouflage jumpsuit, and then he wanted the car to match that. So he had a camouflage paint uh, scheme put on his Lamborghini. And uh, an English newspaper came out to do a story on him, take a picture of it. And he ordered them to pixelize the license plate because he said, if somebody sees me and recognizes the license plate, I don't want them to know that's my car. Uh, uh, Supposedly, there are many camouflage Lamborghinis driving around in (laughs) Manchester. One time he took that car and he wanted to drive to London. If you know, Manchester, London is pretty much a straight drive. It's like going up I-5. Um, there's not a lot of turns or direction you have to worry about. And if you do in a Lamborghini, you probably have GPS, but because Mario didn't want to get lost, he hired a taxi driver and then followed the taxi to London to make sure that he wouldn't get lost. This is the guy the galaxy could be bringing. I I was going to say, sign me up, please. Like how, how can you not be excited about all of that fun? And listen, there's a part of me that in in covering a player loves the uh, the uniqueness of a player. It was one of the reasons that covering Zlatan Ibrahimovic was uh, so much fun was one that he always turned it on for the press and was always, for, for the most part, a gentleman with the press and would answer questions whenever you asked him. Um, so that was the fun part. But, you know, it's his antics. Um, they're not always great. They're not always perfect. They're not always right. Um, but they keep people talking and they get people in seats. Um, you know, it was interesting. I know people were discussing, you know, Mario Balotelli and, and listen, I, I saw on Reddit, uh, and, and people were like, absolutely not, no way. Uh, and then there's people like, absolutely. Yes, please. And I think those are both correct answers, uh, in this particular, um, case you could put somebody like Mario, Mario Balotelli, um, in sort of like an old school four, four, two with Chicharito up top. And you could, you could send in your 375 crosses per game as Guillermo Barrescolota loves. And you have a, uh, a big target like Mario Balotelli who can bang them in. And whenever they bounce back out, you have somebody like Chicharito who's usually in the right place at the right time. It's not a ridiculous statement. Kevin, you, you went in that, you saw him play somewhere, didn't you? Yeah. I saw him play in Marseille two years ago, I guess it was and he doesn't move he scored two goals but never broke a sweat he just doesn't move he's a a little bit like a, a you know cristiano ronaldo can be a little bit like that too they definitely never go across the midfield stripe um and so balotelli just pretty much just stood in front of the 18 yard box and waited for the ball to come to him um so he's not you know you're not going to get a high work work rate out of him he's not going to certainly not going to track back on defense and make any tackles but why are we even talking about Mario Balotelli? The reason we're talking about him is because he's playing for his hometown team in Italy, and they fired him today because he he didn't return. He just didn't didn't tell anybody. He just didn't return from a three month break by uh, you know the coronavirus break. They're training now in Syria, and he just he didn't return. Um, and when they during the break they had um, uh, like Zoom conferences and stuff all the players were supposed to get together and and talk with with the coaches and stuff he never took part in any of those any of the online training regimes at one time he apparently told the team that he had a note from his doctor saying he needed a week off from the zoom meets meetings because he had stomach trouble and couldn't turn his computer on so and this was his hometown team in italy this was the the team he grew up sort of kind of worshiping and always wanted to play for and he was the apparently the captain of the team uh, and you know, couldn't be bothered to to turn on his computer for the Zoom sessions or to come back and train again. And so, I mean, I, I think a lot of this is 
sort of tongue in cheek with the galaxy being interested in him. But, you know, let's just say for a moment they were. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping they're looking at all this stuff and realize, first of all, this guy's going to want a ton of money to come here. And then if he comes here and this is kind of the things that he do that that he does. I mean, one thing you can say for his lot of time, for all the, the 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 things we're hearing now about the way he was with his teammates and stuff, he was there for every training session and uh, you know, for well, for most training sessions and for every game, and he 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 played hard on the field and scored a lot of goals. I mean, he contributed. With Balotelli, you don't know. You could get a guy who's all world one week and just doesn't even show up the next week. Yeah, it, it's it's totally a wild card. That's why that's all these things that you're telling me, Kevin. They just scream Tam to me. Really, they're like, oh, this is this that's a Tam player. Um, and so, listen, there's no structural foundation within any of these rumors right now um the rumor the one rumor that has any sort of structural foundation that we know of is the alan franco rumor and i think that still gets done as soon as whatever window opens and and happens and i don't think it's an extreme amount of money but they wanted to shore up the defense and that's what they're going to do so the alan franco one seems like that's still in the cards outside of that some of us one of us i forget who made a promise at that yeah remember when you had that thing at the game we had that uh, live chat yeah, yeah, that was that was like six years ago, wasn't it? It feels like it yeah. was six years ago. Um, no, you, one you, of us. I don't remember who that was. You sound like some of those reporters who reported that Zlatan was coming three years before he came, and then wanted to claim credit for it whenever he actually came. I just kept running the same story. I figured the, it was going to be right eventually. Eventually, you're but right. But I did. I did call Chicharito. Yes, you did. You you got the, you that one. You can hang your hat on. That'll be one that yeah. you can be like, that was me. You willed it into existence. Um. Oh, by the way, it wasn't a hard like it wasn't hard to connect the dots on that one. But you get you get the tip of the hat anyway. You said it. No, it wasn't. As you should. It wasn't at all. It was kind of there, just waiting for somebody. But but no, I mean when we talk about these rumors, I mean yes, there's lots of rumors out there right now. I think that and you know having talked to Dennis, he's unsure about what is going to be available and how much it's going to cost. And whenever you have that, it's difficult to sort of plan your targets. Yeah, you're talking to people and you're trying to figure out when that's going to happen and how much that money could be. Um, but you won't know until some of these deals start going about what the reduction in rates are because you're going to see it's it's going to be a weird transfer window. So just you know, hang in tight. I don't think there's a quick replacement for Alexander. I think the Galaxy will have to play, quote-unquote, some of the season without that replacement you know, in hand. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the window opens up at its normal time, even though there are uh, leagues around the world that haven't finished, and this is supposed to be that summer transfer window where uh, you really can get some, some difference makers um, into your club. Maybe that all happens, but we're not seeing that, and there are no signs of that right now. I will tell you this, that one of the things that was a big sort of question mark, Kevin, was whether how you would even get people into the country because with travel restrictions, I know nobody's traveling, but with travel restrictions in place, uh, especially coming from outside of the United States into the United States, um, that's a very difficult thing to do right now. But uh, Department on uh, Department of Homeland and Security (DHS) is just now allowing professional athletes into the United States. So if you are out of the United States, you're allowed into. So this is transfer window talk, but this is also you know national team and Canadian team talk as well in terms of being able to come into the country to play sports well and that doesn't really affect the teams right now because my understanding is uh, maybe with few exceptions everybody was ordered to stay in market so all of the foreign players on the galaxy are still here in la they didn't go out so they don't need permission to come back but uh presumably we're going to start playing games again and if we play in games in home markets there's three teams in canada they need to come into the u.s and american you know american teams have to go 
north to play them. So that border has to be open for that. So, you know, it, that's going to come into play at some point, maybe not for a while. Um, but, you know, all to the good, it just shows things are starting to open up a little bit. And then, like you said, if you want to bring anyone in on a transfer, if you want to look at a Mexican player, try him out, have him come over to sign a contract, he can't get in. Right, right. So this is this is starting to allow that now. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but one of the big sort of under stories that we haven't talked too much about, I think we've hinted at it a couple times, we may have said it out loud, um, but we really didn't dive into it. And so Kevin, you know, this CBA deal that got done, I mean, it got done, but the owners came out and threatened the rest of the players and basically said, if you don't get this done, we're going to lock you out. And you can call that a negotiating tactic, but it seemed like it was heavy handed, Kevin. It seemed like it was without thought of the ramifications that were going to take into place. And I know that several reporters have talked to players um, that said that that threat of a lockout, the lockout meaning that you were going to lose your job, uh, not get paid, uh, that you're going to lose your, your health insurance um, during a global pandemic, that those threats um, really, really did a lot of damage to between the MLS and the players. And, you know, that stuff only seems to fester in between collective bargaining yeah. agreements. And, and I can't tell you what the Galaxy player reps to the union think because the Galaxy has not allowed us to talk to them about that. However, um, every other team in the league has held really regular Zoom conference chats with all of their players, um, you know, as I said, on a regular basis. A couple of teams... Uh, I think Atlanta, Minnesota, and Nashville, the day after the the agreement was reached, they had their player reps come out, and they talked very forcibly about what they thought of the negotiating tactics. And Ethan Finley was one of them, Minnesota United player, the, their um, rep to the players' union. And he said that, that, you know, when they negotiated that CBA in February, it was the first time in 15 years that the the, the threat of a strike, of the players walking out, was not looming over the talks. And he and Finley said that, you know, everything was great. We felt like we had a partnership, like we were a team, the owners and the players. We moved forward together. They conceded. We conceded. We got what we wanted on free agency, and uh, we got a raise in salaries. We got charter flights. Everything was great. And then all of a sudden this comes up, and he said, we went from feeling like we, we were on a good negotiation to the threat of a lockout if you don't accept our deal. He said, those are tactics I would view as bullying and really power plays. And he said, I don't think the players – Take kindly to that. He said, that's the first time in my tenure I've ever heard the word lockout come across the table. And you understand that's a word not very often used at the negotiating table. He called it a great disappointment to the playing pool and uh, to the player pool. And, and up in Cincinnati, or Nashville, rather, Daniel Lovitz, who's a defender and one of their uh, three union reps, um, he said that there's a lot of anger and distrust between the, the owners and the players. And so you have that, and now you're asking these players to – I don't want to say put their lives on the line, but there is some physical health risk going into this, you know, COVID-19 quarantine in Orlando. You're asking the players to come and do that, to be sequestered away from their family for at least 35 days. Um, it seems to me that, you know, the players did give up a lot. They gave up salary. They gave up, up, up over $100 million in salary and bonuses. They agreed to um, uh, a new CBA that's going to cost them money, revenue sharing on the new broadcast deal for the, right. for one year. They pushed a lot of things back. I thought the players made a lot of concessions. And then for the owners to say, thank you for all those concessions. By the way, if you don't agree to what we want in, in 72 hours, we're going to lock you out. And I don't think the players took to that very kindly. And I do think that this is going to fester going forward. Now, on the other hand, as you're going to talk about in a minute, Don Garber said that 
the financial hit from COVID to MLS is going to be a billion dollars for a league that has never made a profit. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and certainly everybody wants to see those books and see how that runs, but that billion dollar hit is a real thing. Now, having said that, Kevin, it's still an outrage. Here's the deal is that the, the CBA got signed and done, and that last part about the force majeure and, and you know, some little other different things with um, with TV revenue sharing got done. And it got done quickly. It got done within like 24 hours or a little bit longer than 24, maybe 48 hours of MLS threatening the lockout. So I guess if you're on the ownership side, you can say, we'll see the lockout worked because it made them come to the table and make a deal. The problem is that the MLS players seemed like they were already t- already making a deal, Kevin. They were already ready to make a deal. And so why couldn't you have just gone back to them and said, hey, listen, uh, you know, we don't like this and we don't like that. And so here's our thing. Let's just figure out these last two points. But instead, the owners, you know, threatened them with, you know, the nuclear option, really, which was we're going to blow it all up. We're going to lock you out. Um, and again, I had talked to some different players about some different things. And I remember one player was telling me sort of like, listen, ownership wants us to take a pay cut because, look, the rest of the country is, is also going through these hard times. And so really, this is more out of, you know, solidarity with everybody else. But we're probably going to be fine with this. It's just if this goes on for another year, it could really be a problem. But really, the ownership just really wants us to, to be the team players. And it's like, OK. And, and you sit there and say, I understand where you're coming from, but that's not what ownership is saying with this. That's not what they're saying at all. And as a matter of fact, when they threatened to lock you out, uh, they never wanted this and sort of solidarity with everything. They were looking for the cost savings. They needed it. And, you know, they threatened to throw you out on your butt in order to get it uh, whenever everybody, it, you know, it'd be sort of be like you and I are des- deciding about uh, whether or not we're going to go to lunch somewhere, Kevin. And you're like, well, I want to go to Arby's. And I'm like, well, I want to go to McDonald's. And then we decide that, you know, hey, maybe um, maybe I don't know what's a good what's a, well, in and out is a good s- solution in between it. And so we're we're all we're ready to go to in and out. We're driving there. And all of a sudden you pull over the car and you say you say, you know what? That's it. If we don't go to Arby's then then we're done we're nobody's getting lunch i mean it's like but we were already driving to in and out we were already making the compromise so why all of a sudden are you swerving off the road to go to arby's and arby's well, does have the meats i would just like to, to say first so of all yes being a vegetarian i would not have chosen arby's nor would i have agreed to in and out so there's that you could have got the grilled cheese <laughs> here's one of the, yeah off the menu yes. here's one of the, the things that 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 this all hinged on I, the, the players did offer to take a salary reduction they were doing it uh, you know for whatever don garber actually uh, to his credit in the middle of april very early a month, a month into this thing he took a 25 percent pay cut all the top league executives did uh um, you know there were salary cuts all across mls so they started first they kind of did set an example uh, there's a lot to this you know mls their leading source of revenue is gate receipts um, and they're not getting any gate receipts and they don't, they're probably not going to get any this entire season, this entire calendar year. So they're losing a lot of money. And you look at an expansion team like Miami, remember LAFC played two home games, the galaxy played one. So they banked that money, whatever they made, whether it's a dollar or, or, you know, $50 million, they've, they've got money from two games. Look at someone like Miami, their first season, they haven't played a game at home yet. They have no money from gate receipts. So there's a lot of these things to figure in. You look at Oh, you know, owners paying $325 million expansion fee to get into MLS. Why would they do that for a league that's never made any money? Right. That's so financially insecure that they've missed three months of games and all of a sudden they have to force their players into lockout. Well, it's because another side of those books, it's you don't see it if you look at an MLS book, but Soccer United Marketing is extremely profitable selling rights to the Mexican national team and U.S. national team games and other television rights. And, and you know, they had the Copa America 
you know, MLS owners can tap into that, but it doesn't show in the books. It, it's not part of the revenue stream for MLS. So, you know, there's a lot of dicey financial things. But going back to the player thing, the lockout. So players have already agreed to a pay a pay cut. Um, why the lockout? Why, why was that the thing that triggered it? Well, my understanding is one of the things the lockout does is you're no longer uh, – you, you've been locked out. You're, you're not a part of the team anymore. That means no health benefits. We're not looking at, uh, you know, Mike Trout having to, to to get by on the savings he has from his $25 million a year contract. We're looking at a lot of guys like Julian Araujo, who makes 70000 a year, uh, barely scraping by, and now he has no health insurance. And maybe some of those guys have families. Now, all of a sudden, they're in the middle of a global pandemic without health insurance for their family. Forget about the salary cut they took. So, uh, you know, I think, yeah, Carlos Vela is going to be fine. Chicharito will be fined. Uh, you know, a lot of these other guys are you know, Josie out the door. He's OK. No, no need to worry about those guys. It's it's the the, the younger, uh, less paid guys. You know, again, the Julian Arajos, um, What are they going to do uh, if they don't have health insurance and they're not making money? How are they going to live? Um, it's not like they can go get a part time job because then they can't train and they're supposed to stay in shape. So um, the, it really was a nuclear option. Once they brought up lockout, um, that was sort of the word that, uh, you know, Nobody wanted to hear, and the the owners knew that. They knew what effect that was going to have, and that's why the players are so upset. Yeah, it's a it's a good uh, a good take on all that. We'll see how this manifests itself throughout the rest of this season and into next season. And again, uh, I think we have a new CBA coming up in twenty twenty five. This will not be forgotten, and the players already wanted to make a stand and sort of be this together, uh, you know, governing body that was able to stand up to. Major League Soccer um, and the owners and you know it seems like they had thrown their weight around pretty good in this CBA basically to have the owners never really threaten a lockout and never have that loom over their head um, this takes that all that there's some there's some bad bad blood between these two now there's blood well, in the water and, and we'll see um, sort of how what, it takes it's going to be interesting to see where this manifests itself though because what do the players have now? As you said, there's not a CBA for another five years. No player is going to go out. I don't think any player is going to go out and just kind of go through the motions. They're going to play hard because they have pride. That's why they're here, because they have pride. They're looking for their next job. Maybe they want to go to Europe. Maybe they want to finish strong in MLS, whatever it is. I don't think it's going to be on the field, and they don't really have a chance to get back at the owners for another five years. It could be in other places, and then it's going to fall to teams to say, hey, you know what? That was the league that did it to you. Sort of like we're seeing nationally with COVID, where the the national government is taking no lead in this. So all the individual governors and mayors are having to 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 uh, handle COVID policy. You can see teams like the Galaxy or Salt Lake or whatever go to their teams and say, you know what, that was terrible what they did. We'd like you to be part of our player ambassador uh, council and go out and do charity events and make the team look good for free. I mean, it's a lot of those kind of charity extra extra things that players have always been asked to do and have gladly done and, you know, wanted to do it for the team in the league. Um, maybe some of the TV stuff that they're asked to do before and after games. We didn't see a ton of cooperation from the Galaxy and LIFC at the beginning of the season with the media news conferences and things they're supposed to do it. They're contractually obligated to do it. Man, I would not blame them, nor would I be surprised if they start saying, nope, you know that benefits the league. I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to watch as we return. If the, if there's soccer, it feels like there's soccer. Um, something that you had reported, Kevin, uh, a while ago, and I don't think it was ever we ever talked about on the show. But basically, you talked to Dennis Teclosa, um after they reached the CBA uh, agreement um, and talked about uh, Chicharito and and the Orlando tournament. So, despite the what we have heard. 
um, that Chicharito was among the leading voices of people who didn't want to go to this Orlando tournament. You're hearing that that he is going. Yeah, and that's an interesting point. Is is Don Garber said in his press conference that every player has to come, and the players that don't come, there will be repercussions. Okay, fine. I think we talked about this earlier. So. First of all, Chicharito, his uh, his wife is pregnant with their second child. He is going. He's going to be sequestered for 35 days. Apparently, there have been some talk. He wasn't going to do that, that Carlos Vela, whose wife is also pregnant, was not coming either. I did talk to LAFC. Uh, I know a lot of people on this podcast don't care, but just in point of comparison, Chicharito versus Vela, LAFC was like, we're going to take every case, case on a case-by-case basis. We haven't really talked to Carlos. Um, we're going to chat with him and find out what you know his needs are. Well, the Galaxy came out right away and said Chicharito's going. There was never any doubt he was going to go. He, Despite the rumors, he never even thought about not going. He's all in. He's with the team. He'll be there. But it, it, it leads to interesting things around the league. So let's say Vela doesn't go. Right. Um, and he's the reigning MVP and one of the highest paid players in the league. Let's say he doesn't go for their little tournament in Orlando, in, in which LAFC may play no more than three games. Do you penalize him heavily and then run the risk of when MLS comes back to LA or back to the home markets. Now this guy is going to play 20 games or not because you've pissed them off. You know, are you going to run the risk of really hammering him with some kind of big penalty because he didn't go to your little Orlando tournament, knowing you could lose him for the rest of the year. And this doesn't just affect Carlos Vela. It affects someone like Jordan Morris, who has type one diabetes. Does he want to go into a place where coronavirus could be festering and put his, you know, his health at risk to play in this tournament, he may say, I have type 1 diabetes. I don't feel it's a health risk I want to take. I'm going to stay home. Does MLS penalize him? Okay, maybe they don't. And then what happens when Julian Araujo says, I don't want to go either. I'm 18 years old. I'm, you know, and I'm a young guy and I don't want to risk getting a disease that may plague me for the rest of my life. I don't want to go. Well, do they allow Julian Araujo and force him to go when they don't allow you know, when they allow Jordan Morris and Carlos Vela to stay back. I I just think that this is not as easy as Don Garber makes it seem. And he's probably feeling great. Hey, my little lockout trick worked. I can push these guys around. Hey, maybe this is where some of these players in the league say, you don't own all, you don't have all the cards on your side of the table. We have a few things we can play too. And if you have a little tournament that make, basically makes it look like LA Galaxy 2 is playing Orange County SC, and maybe they don't get the ratings on, MLS, or on uh, ESPN for their little Orlando tournament they thought they were going to get. Hell, it's going to be good times. There's a lot of stuff coming up, so um, all stuff to sort of watch. Is there anything else you wanted to cover, Kevin, before we uh, get out of here? Is there anything else? No, there's nothing else. We're done, I think. Yeah, I'm looking through all the things. I think we checked all the boxes. We're done. We're going to call it. It's about a zillion degrees inside my room as I'm recording. So it's Somebody definitely... told you. Someone told you to get air conditioning. But Somebody... no, you Somebody bought me a fan, if I remember Yes, I correctly. did. I yes. did buy you a fan. I yeah. bought you a supporter. Yes, yes. We call that the Baxter fan. The Baxter fan. Yeah. It's over in the corner where it should be. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it's good to go. But yeah, we're gonna. You can't have a fan on when you're recording. That's just, that doesn't work. It's, it's don't put baby it, in the corner. It's bad audio. So uh, yeah, I was gonna say my son. His room is currently like seventy degrees right now because he has the air conditioner in the house, not us. So we'll all survive. As it's well, okay. it should be. As it should be. Don't complain about the kid. That's rule number one. I've been told. 
All right. Uh, let's see. I think that about does it. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, hit him up at, at kbaxter11. Uh, head on over to the LA Times where his, he's increasing the number of soccer stories he is writing about lately. He is actually might be a soccer reporter again. We'll see. Not really. Not, I was out at the protest march again this Saturday. That was pretty cool. You were. So uh, so Metro reporter slash uh, slash uh, soccer reporter still uh, still rocking and rolling. So, uh, But head on over to the LA Times where you can find him all of his coverage. If you're looking for me on Twitter at Jay Gessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N of course at Galaxy Podcast, cornerofthegalaxy.com where you can find all of our podcasts, all of our stories, all the coverage that we have surrounding the Alexander Katai deal uh, and what could possibly be coming up for Orlando and the LA Galaxy as they get closer to a transfer window at some point. We'll figure it out. Alright, for Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo. And on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.